Happy Tuesday, hockey fans. Thanks so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, June 5th, 2018, and welcome to the 36th episode of From the Press Box here on the AHL Report in our inaugural season of this podcast on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report covering the Laval Rocket. And of course, I'm joined every week by my fantastic co-host, the president and founder of Rocket Sports Media, and our editor-in-chief, Mr. Rick Stevens. Our first episode in June. Whoa. It is Mm -hmm. June. It is June. June. It is June, and as you can probably hear behind me, it's lawn mowing season, so... (laughs) Please ignore the lawnmower right outside my window because uh, it's that time of year. The grass is growing. It's warm outside, but there's still hockey going on. Rick, and you know, it's, it's getting you're down to the You're actually on the riding mower? Is that, is that how you're doing the Yes, the I am multitasking today. I'm, you know, I've got the laptop on the riding mower as I'm mowing my grass outside. That's, yes. I wish I was that talented. <laughs> Nicely done. Or had a microphone powerful enough to do that. <laughs> But we have a lot to actually cover today. Um, We do have a bit of a rocket report, uh, a little bit of uh, signing news uh, that's going to affect the Laval Rockets. So we're going to touch on on some things there, as well as uh, I know, Rick, towards the end of last week's episode, you know, we had talked about some some things, some signings that the Canadians had done last week, but we didn't talk about uh, the goaltending situation within the, the organization and, and where that puts Laval and, and so forth. So we're just going to cover that a little bit as well. Um, before we head into just a brief um, overview of, of how things have gone in the Calder Cup final series so far between the Texas Stars and the Toronto Marlies, they're two games into the series, both played in Toronto as they head out to Texas for the next three. So we'll kind of Get you up to speed if you haven't been following along on on where that series stands in the race, in this last leg of the race to the Calder Cup. And then we're going to look kind of uh, league-wide at some personnel changes that have been going on. We we mentioned last week that there are a lot of um, coaching vacancies in the AHL, and more vacancies have opened up as... uh, NHL teams are cherry picking some some coaching staff out of out of the AHL, uh, and there's also been some hirings to fill in some of those positions. There are still a lot of positions open, but we want to get you kind of up to speed uh, on on that front as far as that's concerned. Because so far there's there's been a, a lot of shuffling around, and so you're going to see a lot of new faces behind the bench um, next season, or perhaps familiar faces just behind a different bench than you're used to. So let's just kind of kick things off with our rocket report, Rick. And and first and foremost, um, I guess the biggest news of the last week really is that um, one of the uh, pending RFAs for, for this coming summer, uh, who was actually a newcomer to the team this year, uh, was signed, and that is defenseman 22-year-old Renat Valiev was signed to a one-year two-way contract uh, with with the Canadians for the 2018-19 season, uh, worth $650,000 at the NHL level and 80000 in AHL salary, um, which, by the way, you know, Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson, with their transparency, they are, they are true to their word. They're putting salary information in all of their press releases these days. Um, 
And, and Rick, you'll, you'll recall that Valiev was part of the deal that sent Thomas Placanitz to the Maple Leaves, and in, in return, uh, Valiev and Kirby Reichel, who is another uh, uh, pending RFA this summer, um, both came over. Uh, Valiev didn't spend too much time with the Rocket, though, however, but he is signed to be back again. And uh, Kyle Bond going the other way uh, to the oh, uh, right. Toronto Maple yes. Leafs. We won't forget about him. But uh, Valiev, you're right. Uh, just five games with uh, the Laval Rocket, a goal and two assists. Um, and uh, then was was uh, with the with the uh, injuries that the Canadians were experiencing was uh, was recalled uh, to the Montreal Canadiens and uh, was promptly injured and out uh, for the rest of the season there. Yeah. Um, and there was lots of of um, speculation, I guess, that uh, that he would head over to the KHL, but not so. Um, he returns uh, to, to the Montreal Canadiens organization and, and uh, as you said, signed one of the first uh, phase two to sign and, and will be part of the, uh, the uh, organization. And, and we might see him um, in Laval. We, who knows what, what kind of camp he might have and, and uh, whether he'll break into the Canadiens lineup direct. One of the things that I kind of found interesting about this signing is that between the players who ended their season in the NHL and and the players who were down with the AHL club, out of all of the pending restricted free agents and and unrestricted free agents, there are only two blue liners that that are up. It was it was Valiev and Tom Parisi, um, and I just I I didn't I. If we all know, I'm willing to put some money on on the Stanley Cup final and whatnot. But I, if if someone had asked me to put money on, would the first would the first re-signing of a contract be a defenseman? I'd have said no, because I just I, I'm shocked that that was the priority was to get Renat Valiev re-signed. But hey, what do I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and sometimes. Um... You know these things go do the easy ones first. I don't know, um, but uh, let's 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 hope we hear something on uh, Tom Parisi, uh, one yeah. of the best, uh, uh, one of the most consistent uh, defensemen um, last season, seventy-one games, um, and uh, I thought was was a, a real stabilizing force on whatever pairing that that. Uh, that he was with and with Taramina um, suffering the injury and, and was out for uh, uh, some games. Uh, Parisi had to, to be flexible and played up and down the lineup. And, and uh, um, I, I'm, I would like to see Parisi back. Uh, although there's, there's going to be a loaded defenseman. Uh, remember well, that's what I mean. I'm signed as well. So, Yeah. They're just really heavy back there on the on the blue line, which is a, you know, as you say, maybe it was maybe it was an easy contract to sign and and just get it done and out of the way. But I feel that there's some more pressing things to concentrate on, um, and that's kind of for me been the the, the it's almost like the theme of this off season so far is is handling all of the things that I wouldn't have thought were a priority. You sign you re-sign Renat Valiev, okay, great. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, they, the Canadians had announced that they had um, 
to me, surprisingly, re-signed Antiniemi. So now you've got Carey Price, Antiniemi, Charlie Lindgren, and Michael McNiven. Uh, that pretty much, I mean, <laughs> someone I'm sure is already saying, "Oh, but wait!" And you've also got Zach Fucali. I think the writing's on the wall there for Zach Fucali. If anyone was questioning, wondering if he was coming back, that he can't possibly be. That with the four goaltenders in the system already, I was shocked. I would have assumed Niami would have been gone and Charlie Lingren would have been Carey Price's backup. But again, what do I know? <laughs> And good old Zach, there he was uh, at the the Q draft, uh, sitting at the Mooseheads table, and and according to his Instagram, was working the phone. So, um, does he have a? No, it's 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 far too no. early in his <laughs> young career to, uh, yeah. to hang up the, the pads, but but uh, a, a, a budding uh, um, executive, uh, you know, and a, a hockey executive in the making, maybe. And there you go. So, yeah, so Antiniemi gets signed to a one-year, one-way, um, you know, with an average value of $950,000. So so this now puts us, what, into a position kind of like, was it, what, what was it a couple of years ago? Was it Montoya and Tokarski that everyone assumed it, and that, that Tokarski went in and, and, and beat him out at camp? I mean, this this obviously puts Charlie Lindgren in a position where he's, he's got to really show something at camp, right? That's true. And, and let's be honest, uh, the Canadians aren't very good. They're terrible uh, at, at transitioning players uh, to the NHL. And uh, this is a kick in the teeth for Charlie Lindgren. Charlie Lindgren will take it. He will, he will do what he has to do, but this is, not the way to treat your prospects. Uh, and again, the Canadians are ruling by, um, you know, popular uh, moves. And, and the Miami one was, we talked about it before, kind of a good news story. So uh, so you bring yeah. that. But, but it's not the way to handle prospects. And uh, you have uh, Charlie Lindgren, you have uh, Michael McNiven, um, you have uh, Zach Fucali, you have Etienne Marcoux, and you have Hayden Hockey on the way, uh, not this year, but certainly uh, next year. Um, so, uh, well, and that's the, and the, and the Marcoux. Yeah, let's, yeah let's, you just mentioned another name that we haven't talked about yet. There was another signing. They signed another goaltender, Etienne Marcoux, who, who what, had was an emergency signing at one point last year? He was, uh, yeah, in uh, in November, he uh, he joined the, the Rocket uh, for a couple of games, uh, uh, played the role of um, in, uh, uh, in, in an emergency situation. Um, he got into a couple of games uh, for uh, the Penguins, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, uh, but he spent most of the season uh, in the ECHL, uh, 38 games with the Indy Fuel, uh, and, you know, uh, signing a, a two-way uh, AHL contract, one uh, expects that that's where he's destined to the Brampton Beast, but um, that still leaves uh, the, the three-headed monster in in Laval, uh, that as you yeah. say, something something has to give there. Absolutely, and it's you know, 
it goes back to my original point of the signings so far in this off season to me have just been a complete head scratcher. I mean, forwards is is where I would think they would want to start concentrating. As you alluded to, maybe those are the harder negotiations and maybe it's taking longer. Of course, we can't speculate as to what's going on behind the scenes, but certainly hope we'll get some answers on those fronts soon. But I think we're set for goaltenders and and we, as you say, there's a there's a whole stockpile of defensemen coming through. So, tis interesting to be sure. <laughs> and of course, you know things are starting to heat up too. We're we're going to be hearing news in the next coming weeks. The draft is only, I don't know, less than three weeks away. So, scouting combine just finished. So there's all sorts of buzz there. The Canadians have their newfangled combine that they're going to go over to Europe and do. Um, I would imagine there, you know, there's going to be some some trade rumors flying around in the next couple of weeks, and of course, come draft day uh, on June 22nd, uh, that's when things are really going to heat up. So, kind of just all simmering beneath the surface right now, Rick. It's it's going to start getting exciting here for hockey fans again very soon for Habs fans. Very soon. But there's a couple of fan bases that are actually still pretty excited about this season, and yes, I said this season because the 2017-18 season is not done yet. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. In fact, we are only two games into the Calder Cup final between the Toronto Marlies and the Texas Stars. Um, and it's been, uh, first two games that were held in Toronto, Rick, um, two completely different games, two different outcomes. The series is tied 1-1. Marley's took the first one six to five in what was kind of a barn burner. You don't usually see Mike McKenna and Garrett Sparks give up that amount of goals, especially in the same game. And everything tightened up then the next day for that 2-1 Texas win to take uh, an even series back to Texas for the next three games. That that first game, um, yeah, was surprising for many. Uh, the, the high scoring, but the fact that Texas led uh, for most of that game, and it was only a three-goal yeah. third period uh, for the Marlies that uh, allowed them to pull out what could have been a embarrassing uh, opening, opening game at, uh, at Recount. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this might be the first time that the Marlies are actually getting some real pushback on the ice, and they're not they're not, you know, at, we mentioned a few times during the Lehigh Valley series that there were times that the Marlies just looked comfortable, that they were just going out and taking whatever they were being given and then just doing what they go out and do. And, and hasn't exactly looked as comfortable for them so far in this series. Um, Texas, to their credit, is is stepping up to the challenge. Uh, Texas is, uh, and... I remember um, in the press box, and this was this came from um, both an NHL scout and an NHL executive separately. They they both said, you know, if somebody was to, if a team was to push back on on the Marlies, they're going to have they're going to have trouble. And the team that we thought um, might do that was Syracuse, and and, yeah. and it didn't really pan out that way. Um, and we we saw in the the series with Lehigh Valley, the Phantoms, um, they were very physical for uh, probably one period. 
Um, yeah. And that was that was kind of after the fact. All you know the the I don't want to say the series was decided, but kind of was you knew the direction it was going in, and it was one last gasp kind of thing for the Phantoms and the Marleys. Just kind of brushed it off and, and took it in stride. This has been different. Uh, Texas has been physical. Um, Marley's, you know, there's they, both teams have got into some penalty trouble, but I think particularly effective is the Stars have been uh, physical and, and disrupting the neutral zone, and that's where that's where the the, the Marleys develop their flow and, and um, you know really get their attack going. And the Stars did a great job in Toronto uh, messing that up, and. Um, They've done an excellent job. That that first line for the um, Marlies with Janssen and Altman and Grunstrom, they've been yeah. excellent throughout excellent. the and, mm-hmm. and they're scoreless in, in the first two games of this series. Um, so uh, I, I, they, I think Texas is, is showing something to the Marlies that uh, they just haven't seen before. Uh, and they've they've also you know uh, McKenna's been able to to match uh, Sparks, uh, and that was quite a goaltending tool in, uh, in, in game two. So um, you know uh, Texas kind of uh, the the Marlies had a had a good thing going. They had a ten game winning streak, the longest a uh, second longest uh, ever in AHL history, and. Um, you know, Texas flirted with with uh, you know stopping that in game one and put an end to it in game two. So uh, they must have uh, a lot of confidence going back to um, Cedar Park um, for for tonight's game. Absolutely. Well, and 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 I was actually just going to allude to that. You know, coming into this series. Not that, and and I'm certainly not insinuating that Toronto let themselves get comfortable, but they spent two rounds sweeping their opponents. They swept the crunch in four games and they swept the phantoms in four games. Um, and of course, before that had won had won the, the series clinching game against the comets in the first round. So, you know, they were just riding that high for a long time. And, and I don't want to say things were coming easily to them, but, they were finding the way to win, whether it was, you know, a blowout or a close game, they were finding a way to win every single time they took the ice for the last month and a half or so. Um, But I'm sure Sheldon Keith has, has sat down with his troops to say, okay, thing, things are obviously different. This is a different team than we have faced the last two rounds. Um, You know, they're strong. They've got a strong goaltender in the net, which not to say that Alex Lyon uh, wasn't strong for Lehigh Valley, but, but Mike McKenna is certainly standing on his head a bit for, for the Texas Stars. Um, and, and they really have to, to kind of pull together and focus and really not that they've been, you know, not that they've been coasting, but, but this is a new challenge and a different challenge. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see with Texas winning on Sunday and now, as you say, heading into their home arena for three games, um, this could be a very, very interesting series going forward. And, and speaking of McKenna and, and going home, um, going back to, to uh, Texas, McKenna it has a record of 18-2 um, and two on home ice 
uh, in the postseason over the past two years with both Texas and Syracuse. Um, hmm. So he's going to enjoy uh, that that uh, uh, that home crowd and, and home ice. Uh, the the weather uh, may play a factor, um, given that uh, 37, 38 degrees Celsius, which is you know, 9,800 degrees, uh, whether that's going to affect the Marlies. It's perfect um, for the ice. <laughs> the, the 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 Marlies, uh, I, I think we have to say though, uh, their road record uh, this yes. season has been, was was phenomenal. They had eight road losses the entire uh, regular season. They won thirty games, so which is um, insane. It's it's crazy. So, um, you know they they uh, play well at home and and on the road, but particularly on the road. I should say at, at home at Rico, um, good crowds too. Over yes. eight thousand, over eight thousand both games, uh, and in fact, uh, game two they set a record. Eighty two hundred is um, uh, was the largest crowd ever to watch a Marley's game in Rico. Wow. So, um, yeah. So good for them. Th- th- I I don't know what what kind of uh, crowd we'll expect tonight in in. Uh, at the HEB Center, but um, th- there's there's all kinds of little uh, understories that uh, are going to be inter- interesting to watch. Well, as Rick mentioned, Game 3, the first game in Texas, is tonight, to Tuesday, June 5th, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Game 4 will be on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and Game 5 will be Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, here's where I'm going to get on my little soapbox for a minute. Because uh, in, in Canada, you can watch all of the games uh, for the Calder Cup final on TSN2. On TSN2. Um, Leafs Nation Network is the one producing the broadcasts. Um, and, of course, they say that in the United States, you can watch them on the NHL Network, who will simulcast them. But here's my beef. If you, you know... In a country where Gary Bettman claims to be trying so hard to raise hockey culture in the United States and, and garner new fans and expand the fan base for hockey. And, you know, okay, it's the American League. I realize it's not, you know, his, the focus is, is the NHL, things, things of that nature. But part of the NHL is the NHL network. It is the NHL's television network. And, you know, up until round three, up until the Eastern Conference final, um, the only way that you could watch the games if you weren't uh, in the local markets was to pay a fairly hefty fee on AHL Live to subscribe for rounds one, two, and or three to watch your team or all of the teams, depending on how much money you wanted to spend. Uh, So that's not really very, you know, open to to get fans excited about the American League and then, you know, translate that into the National Hockey League as well. And then for the Eastern Conference Finals, because because the Lehigh Valley and Toronto series was was pretty exciting, uh, TSN2 and the NHL Network picked those games up 
um, and 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 people were able to start watching them on TV. And you started to see people talking a lot more about those games on Twitter and on social media because they had access to them. They didn't have to go out and pay for them if they if they didn't want to. Um, and so we're at we're at this place again. Yet again, AHL Live is still charging people if you want to subscribe uh, to watch the Calder Cup final. Canadians, great. You've got TSN, too. Here in the United States, we rely on the NHL Network for, for the games. The NHL Network, Game 1, was Saturday, this past Saturday, June 2nd, at 4 p.m. Eastern. TSN, 2 aired it live. Do you know when the NHL Network aired it? The following morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Now, I'm sorry. It's, well, exactly. What's the point? Why even bother? Now, allegedly they aired Game 2 live, and allegedly the NHL Network will carry Game 3 tonight live as well. Um, game 4 is supposed to be a delayed till the next day broadcast again. Um, I'm not sure yet if that has changed. Because, honestly, what's the point? You know, NBC... NBC had to change their Olympics coverage this year because they got so much pushback over the last uh, couple of Olympics for the fact that that if the Olympics were taking place overseas, uh, they weren't airing anything live. They were delaying everything for when the Americans could get out of bed. And it's ridiculous. True fans of any sport will get up at any hour of the day or night to watch what they want to watch. And true fans of hockey aren't going to watch game one 12 hours later when they know the score, they know what happened, and it's over. What's the point? Um, This is an area where the American League and the National League need to start working together, and they need to come up with an actual plan on how to reach audiences better and not make it an afterthought because, frankly – you know, it's exciting for someone who lives in the States to say, oh, great, I can watch all of the Calder Cup final series uh, on the NHL Network. That's awesome. I'm so glad that they're, you know, giving some attention uh, to, to this part of the playoffs at this level of hockey. And then it's like, oh, but it's all on delay. Well, what's the – I'm not going to sit down and watch that at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Why would I do that? Um, there's just – to me, Rick, there's a big disconnect there. And it just goes to show, again, that, you know, they they can say all they want, that they want to make the United States a hockey hotbed. Uh, they'll never they'll never touch how popular it is in Canada because we have because of football and basketball uh, here in the States. But if you're going to actually take a serious run at, at being a, a serious, serious sport in the United States, then you have to take your television audiences seriously as well. No, that's that's absolutely true, and and um, as you say, it, it can't be an afterthought. It can't be, uh, oh, uh, people are talking about this. Let's let's air a game or two, or let's air a game on delay. With, you know, in the social media, media age, uh, when you when you can hear results, uh, when you can see highlights uh, on social media, there really is no point to to uh, airing a full game. Uh, on delay, there's there's you know, very few fans um, are are going to take advantage of that, um, and you know it's all part of um, 
the kind of hit or miss strategy uh, that that they're using. And you know, this is a kind of a separate point, but but AHL Live is is been um, is is been awful. Um, and uh, you know, fortunately, um, they're doing something about that, and we know that New Line's on its way out, and and um, and maybe HD will actually come to. <laughs> uh, to uh, be great. Uh, AHL hockey uh, for a change. Um, well, I, was, I thought so, you were going to say, thankfully, we do most of our coverage in an actual rink. But <laughs> no, well, that, and, uh, but that was you're right. That was going to be um, my next point. Is is um, that that you you really feel for fans that that don't get an opportunity to go to the rink and and uh, you know. Um, are able to be invested in, in the team because, because the coverage is so poor. Um, so thankfully, uh, the, um, the, the finals, you can see them, um, as you said, uh, in Canada, TSN two, our, our friends, Todd Crocker, uh, Bob McGill, um, with the play by play and, and, um, um, and hopefully as you say that, uh, you know, as this moves on and, and um, you know, with the commissioner or the, I call him the commissioner, the president of, of the AHL, that's, uh, uh, he now has something to, <laughs> to work on um, uh, having um, having been renewed um, over the next well, couple of years. Let's let's see if we see some improvements uh, uh, with, with uh, the TV coverage. Well, that was actually going to be be my next uh, kind of news point. There is that it did just come out uh, within the last within the last week that the AHL's board of governors announced that uh, president and CEO of the American Hockey League, David Andrews, has been signed to a contract extension. I'm sorry. He's the yeah, he's, he's the, the commissioner. commissioner. He's the commissioner. <laughs> I know, but he has a new contract. Uh, putting him uh, in that position through June 2020. So a two, two-year contract extension. Um, you know, and I remember at uh, his State of the League address at the AHL All-Star Game this year, someone asked him um, in, that, in that press conference whether or not uh, he had made any decisions or if there had been any talk yet about whether he was going to extend or not. And he kind of danced around that answer. He didn't give a yes. He didn't give a no. He just kind of deflected a bit and, well, we'll see and, and that kind of thing. So I was a little unsure as to whether or not Dave Andrews would be back, but I'm, I'm glad to see him back at the helm for two more years. Um, and uh, we'll, see. we'll see what things continue to happen under his leadership. So congratulations to him. Um, but... Rick and listeners, make sure you get the pens and paper out now because the uh, the coaching roulette shuffle has has started really in full force um, now that most teams are celebrating their off season uh, right now and things are just changing rapidly. Um, I'm going to go back to just after last week's show and start chronologically because things kind of go a little more naturally in that order. Um, Mike Van Ryn, uh, who was the uh, head coach for the Tucson Roadrunners this past year, uh, has been hired by the St. Louis Blues as an assistant coach for the 2018-19 season. So that leaves a vacancy at the head coaching position for the Tucson Roadrunners. 
Um, the Dallas Stars hired head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Todd Nelson, as an assistant coach under uh, Jim Montgomery for Dallas. So yet another NHL team cherry-picking out uh, some AHL talent for their National Hockey League benches. So that left, um, and I believe Todd Nelson, that was his third season as head coach with Grand Rapids. So uh, leaves a vacancy in Grand Rapids as well. Um, ben Simon is in there in uh, Grand Rapids. Yes. So Ben Sorry. Simon is now uh, the new head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. I was going to get to that in a few there, but, but we can, we can fill that hole. Um, and he becomes the 11th head coach in franchise history. He served the last three seasons as an assistant coach under Todd Nelson. Um, so he is now the new head coach for the Grand Rapids Griffins. Um, the AHL Stockton Heat needed a new head coach. Um, I believe, was that Ryan Huska that left um, to go up with the Flames, uh, to coach up with mm-hmm. the Flames? So, Cal uh, McLean is the new head coach for the Stockton Heat, um, and he came to Stockton as an assistant this past year following two seasons as the head coach of the ECHL's Adirondack Thunder. Uh, so Kale McLean gets a bit of a promotion from assistant coach up to head coach for Stockton. And then San Antonio was missing a head coach. The Rampage were looking for a head coach. Um, and the Blues announced, uh, in fact, it was just today, that Drew Bannister has been named the head coach of the San Antonio Rampage. Uh, and that's the beginning of the five-year affiliation between the two clubs. Um, Bannister this past season was uh, the head coach for the for Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL uh, and did make it to the finals and he was named coach of the year both in the OHL and the Canadian Hockey League so new head coach for the Rampage as well uh, I, I know that Rockets fans always think that you know or Canadian fans uh, oh Joe Bouchard is coach ever uh, but uh, that that signing in San Antonio, Drew Bannister, uh, mm-hmm. the, the record he had this year uh, with the Greyhounds, um, and, and a 23 game winning streak, and 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 on and on, and and as you said, being named Coach of the Year in both the OHL and the CHL, uh, that's a heck of a signing, particularly uh, yes, you know as they be, they begin, they take over from uh, the Avalanche. Um, Avalanche now with the, the, have their own with the Eagles and and with St. Louis taking over that that franchise. That's a that's an excellent signing to start. Absolutely, and and as you say, you know, that's a lot of movement just over the last week. Expect a lot more of it to come. There's a couple of of key positions that still have not been filled yet, and and I think more are still going to open up as NHL. Cl- I mean, just today the Islanders announced. Uh, that that uh, Garth Snow and Doug Wade are gone, so uh, you know who knows who knows who's going to get promotions out of out of AHL franchises and things of that nature as Lou Lamorello starts to work his magic out there on the island. Um, so things are going to keep coming fast and and fiercely. Um, of course, Laval is still looking for their second assistant coach. Uh, 
kind of waited, waiting with bated breath to see to see who that's going to be and and where where that's going to fall. Another key one that I think is going to be interesting to see who who takes over and fills this hole is the head coach for the Hershey Bears. Uh, Hershey is a strong franchise. They had a horrible season this this year, but it's a strong franchise with a rabidly passionate fan base, um, and you can see the kind of talent that's come through that organization is is playing in the Stanley Cup final right now. They've they've got they've got some great AHL alums uh, that are playing for them right now, uh, and I'm not talking alums from 10 years ago. We're talking guys like Jacob Rana, who's who was there two seasons ago, um, and and I think for a little bit last season, in fact. Yeah. Um, so. I think I, I'm really curious to see who's going to get that position because it's going to, it's, I think Hershey, Hershey and, and the Washington Capitals organization is going to put something, somebody, someone very effective into that position. Particularly with the Washington Capitals on the way to winning their very first Stanley Cup. Uh, well, that's, you know, it's a nice pipe dream uh, for the Washington Capitals, but we all know that it's, as I have said from the beginning, that the Las Vegas Golden Knights will uh, mm-hmm. will be lifting the cup. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're really, really writing the story uh, down, down three games to one. If they, if they do pull it off, they're not going to. But if they do, um, it's going to be a heck of a, heck of a movie. <laughs> well, it it certainly will be. It certainly will be. And uh, kudos for Gerard Gallant and the entire crew out there in Vegas for doing what they've done so far this year, whether they win the cup or not. Um, and as a as a lifelong Flyers fan, it's it is hard for me to feel good for for Mark Andre Fleury. It re- it's it's really tough to do that. But I'm I am happy to see him have a bit of a renaissance uh, when everyone had counted him down and out and that he was done. Um, to ha- to turn around and have the season that he's had uh, and the playoffs that he's had, good for him. Um, always happy to see a good hockey story. So I guess when we convene again in a week, we'll probably have some more personnel announcements and so forth. But we may also have, well, we we should have some some cup winning decisions. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Calder or Stanley, um, so it should be a big we, week we next week. On the, we agreed on the Calder and disagreed on the Stanley. Is that is that how it went? I believe so. In the predictions, I don't, I don't know where my notes are from last week. <laughs> I would have to find my notes from last week, but I think I think that's the case. I know did that we disagreed. That's what I can't remember. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. Yes, I think I did. I think so yes, we we agree on the Calder. We disagree on the on the Stanley Cup. Um, and for the ECHL, don't forget the the Kelly Cup final is is on is on the brink right now. I believe the Florida Everblades are playing tonight. Perhaps let me hold on. Let me see here. Um. I believe they are playing tonight, and I think they lead the series three to two. I could be wrong though. Um, playoffs. Here we go. Sorry, this takes just a. Yes, Florida is up three to two over the Colorado Eagles. Uh, they play tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, at Colorado. So, the Kelly Cup 
is also very close to being uh, to being awarded. Uh, so let's not let's not forget them as well. The Florida Everblades, of course, are the um, Carolina Hurricanes ECHL affiliate, um, and they are playing the Colorado Eagles. Is John McCarron still there? Mike's brother with the um, with the, uh, the Everblades. With the Everblades? Yes, is he that, is. We know. Yes. Okay. Yes, John so, McCarron. John McCarron is still playing there, so it looks like he is right. uh, on a Kelly Cup push in the McCarron family. Nice. Excellent. Well, and as I said, they are up. Um, they are up three to two in the series. Just taking a look at their um, roster here. Some familiar names, actually. Martin Wallet is uh, is one of their goaltenders. He was with the Flyers for a bit. Uh, he was with the Phantoms uh, last year. Um, guys like David Jerzinski is is down there. Justin Key is down with the Florida Everblades. Um, so some some familiar names, and and as you say, John McCarron as well. Now, um, so was Wacy Rabbit there? Was was he there before he went off to Europe um, for at least? I think he. I think he was. Orlando? I can't remember. I I think I think he was. Um he let me take a look. Uh do, do, do. I think he was. Wow. Josiah Didier was actually started down there as well. We've we've talked about Josiah Didier who played most of the season for the Checkers, but he started with the Everblades. Uh that's another familiar name. Um but I do believe you're correct. I believe Wacy Rabbit was down there at some point. <laughs> So game uh, looks like game six for that series is tomorrow night, uh, in which uh, the Florida Everblades could be awarded the Kelly Cup tomorrow night if they're able to come up with one more victory over the Colorado Eagles. So lots of hockey action. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. Um, One thing we want to be sure to mention as well, we've talked about the fact that the draft is just a, a couple of weeks away. We still have a few tickets remaining uh, in our contest at Rocket Sports Media to win tickets to the draft in Dallas to come along with us and a bunch of other hockey fans um, and and experience the draft in a way that you'll never be able to. Uh, the tickets through our partnership with the NHL are, are typically not the ones that are available to the public. They're usually lower bowl reserved seats in among the prospects and their families. Um, and it's it's an incredible experience. So be sure to go to allhabs.net and look for the post uh, regarding winning tickets to the NHL draft and get your entries in because we're going to be drawing our, our last grouping of winners uh, in another day or so uh, so that people have time to make travel plans and, and so forth uh, because the draft really is just a little under three weeks away. Uh, so be sure that you get your entries in. We've we've already announced one uh, grouping of winners, and we'll announce our second grouping of winners uh, here in a couple of days. So get those entries in and join us in Dallas. It's going to be a great time. And that group that uh, were announced, they were pretty excited. <laughs> they were. They were um, very excited. They were very excited, not expecting to get the call. They got the the, the call and uh, are are uh, making their their plans right now to, to head to uh, Dallas um, in a couple of weeks uh, to, right. um, to see the, the, uh, the new draftees. 
and you'll get to meet some of the Rocket Sports Media team as well. Rick will be there. I will be there. Uh, and, and some more of our contributors from, from All Habs and from the AHL report are planning to be there as well, uh, staff members. So you'll also get to meet uh, some of the Rocket Sports Media team members that you interact with on a daily basis, whether it's on, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or that you, you, know, you read their articles or you, you know, listen to their podcasts or whatever the case may be. So um, it's also a great way to, to get to interact with the Rocket Sports Media team. So go to allhabs.net. Uh, and be sure to enter. Enter early and often, as they say. And I guess that's about it for this week's uh, this week's show, Rick. This was jam-packed yet again. As I always say, there really is no off-season for us at Rocket Sports Media. There is always a lot of hockey news to talk about, uh, and we're not taking any time off uh, because we want to make sure to keep everybody updated and up to speed and very informed as we move throughout the summer. Um, but we really appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you so much for being here again, sir. Glad to be here, and uh, yeah, look forward to the the week of hockey ahead. Excellent. Be sure to uh, keep an eye on Rocket Sports Media. Tune into our other podcast that's Habs Unfiltered, Habs 360, and have a listen. Uh, so we've got content for your ears all week long. And, of course, we'll see you right back here at the AHL Report for another great episode of From the Press Box next Tuesday. Until then, enjoy the playoffs, and we'll see you then. Have a great week.